get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Game three between the Blues and the Canucks started well after 9.30 last night. And went to overtime. 15 minutes into overtime, Braden Shen scored the breakaway winner. Chris Kerber had the call. And it's much easier to wake up the morning after an overtime win than an <laughs> overtime loss. And Kerbs is with us now in the Blues booth on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing fine. How are you guys today? Everything's good, and you're you're back at it tonight. But let's start with last night. Uh, a lot of keys, but Jake Allen was terrific. Yeah, Jake was really good, and you know he, what made it in the end uh, what 39 saves somewhere along those kind of lines. Uh, I remember my scorebook right. So he provided exactly what the Blues needed to do, and then there were some moments in the first half of that game where, I mean, there was even one shift where I'm looking at this going, what is happening here? I mean, every single time a Vancouver Canuck touched the puck, they walked into the top of the circle and just teed off. And uh, so so Jake was good. And then something clicked in the second half of the game, late in the second period going into the third, and the boys uh, or the Blues really start to look like a team that we were used to seeing in that third period. Curbs, do you think we'll see Jake in net again tonight? Oh, yeah, that's that's the that's the big question. I I'm not sure how you don't go back to him. To be honest with you, um, after last night, no, I'm, I would probably say yes, Jake, and then you tell Benner you be ready. You know, yeah. But um, uh, I, I I definitely think he earned getting back in there tonight. And but plenty of plenty of players have gone back to back. These guys and Jake will remember and tell you stories about playing three games and three nights. You know, in in the minor leagues in different cities. Uh, the whole time. So uh, back-to-backs really are not much of an issue, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't go back to Jake, to be honest with you. Curbs, Bruby broke it down. He said, I cheated. hey, we just scored more goals than they did. I did think last night, though, that the Blues were more dominant than they had been in the first two games. I thought they really took the play to Vancouver more than they had in games one and two. What did you think? Well, you could also take that same comment and say we uh, – you know, we didn't allow as many as they did. I mean, and then they, then you pull in the defensive side of things. Uh, yeah, look, they, they especially that the latter part of the second period. I, I thought the last last few shifts of, of the second period, uh, you know, were, were really good. They carried it into the third period, and you know, honestly, in this series, I, the Blues have been the better five on five team, but the penalty kill for the Blues has been so atrocious, and the power play is starting to match it that special teams is negating some of the work that they're doing five on five. So maybe instead of winning a game two to one, cause you've been so good, you know, with, with your five on five play that you're losing a game three to two. And, you know, as we saw five to two, whatever it may be because your special teams have been bad. And, uh, and, and that's, that, that jumps off the page, but boy, when they kept the discipline and got the five on five going, 
they, they made Markstrom make some terrific saves. And, you know, I, I think I think whoever picked the three stars last night, we obviously picked different ones on the radio, but whoever officially picked the three stars and, and didn't have Jake Allen in there is, you know, I think, I think that person had to be drunk. Both <laughs> those goaltenders I thought last night were fantastic. Absolutely, Curbs. And it was nice to see Justin Falk get one as well. Yeah, that was his first playoff goal since I believe game uh, game two or three against the New York Islanders in last year's Stanley Cup playoffs. So he might have played uh, one of his best games as a blue. He was active. Uh, he was breaking up plays. He was jumping in. His read seemed to be right. They didn't put him on the wrong side of the puck. Um, we still see him serve up that pizza every now and then, and he did that once or twice last night. But I, I started thinking, okay, we're just going to have to get used to that, but this is part of the gig. And uh, But if he plays that way, so dynamic it, and, and, and what he can help the Blues defense with that um, it, it was an extremely effective game for him. Curbs, isn't it amazing? And we've kind of taken how good David Perron is for granted because he's been good now for a couple of years. But when you look at the Perron that was here for the first two stints and you think about where he is now in his early 30s, how much better he is and how much more consistent he is, that doesn't happen very often with players that they reach their peak after the age of 30. But he's playing better, not as well as, but better than he ever has consistently. Yeah, he and Ryan O'Reilly have really developed some chemistry in in a real big way. Um, You know, we we, we obviously we saw him grow. And remember when he made the club, Randy, he wasn't supposed to make the team. The Blues drafted him after just one year of major junior. And, you know, we mentioned we talk about that practice all the time. Mm -hmm. His very first one where he was all over Keith Kachuk so bad. Keith Kachuk at the end of that practice and somebody asked him about it said, I don't know if that guy didn't know who I was or just didn't care. And uh, and he earned the spot. So, you know, I, I think we've seen kind of the growth and the maturity of an individual and a hockey player. And it, I, it's, it's been an enjoyable journey, to, and, and he's an enjoyable person to be around, too, which has made that journey even more fun. But, yeah, his effectiveness uh, has, has really been good. And the confidence, I'll tell you what, the confidence when somebody knows that they belong and know how to do it, uh, the, the level of play just goes sky high, doesn't it? Yeah, and here's a guy that uh, you, I remember practice first from that first camp. He was thought of just as a dangler, and we thought, okay, he's going to be a guy that can dish, and we knew he had the shot, but he's become a, a, a guy that can really shoot and plays an all-around game. The, the other part about him is I don't think people realize how stout he is, that he's a, he's a pretty tough guy around the net. Listen, Andy Murray, at, at the time, even as a really young player, David Perron might have been the best net front presence guy. And we talked to him about this the other day. His first stint with the Blues, especially when they were on the power play, he always seemed to be either in the slot or right in it. And he would deflect pucks better than anybody. And that's why Andy Murray put him there. So once you get that reputation, that's where coaches tend to use you. It really wasn't until he got to Las Vegas that they started using him as a shooter. And, uh, and and then, then he's got the situation where he, he and Jonathan Marshall so were talking, and he learned that. And, you know, they started talking about maybe trying to use a lighter stick or a different stick and, and how that would go. So Marshall so had a role, you know, in, in, in that one good year that he had out there that with the 66 points with Las Vegas. Um, and, 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 again, it continued to evolve. It, it's one of those things. Sometimes players get pigeonholed in, in a certain area, you know, but for the most part, he wasn't really used in a shooter's role on the power play until one coach finally did that, and then look what happened. So whether it be 
getting pigeonholed, whether it be opportunities presented to you, you know, or, or whether it be just a coach saying, I got something different, you know, we're going to try this out. Who knows? But he is definitely proven to be extremely adaptable no matter where the coach wants him to play. Curbs, no Tarasenko, no Steen last night. Uh, Chief said that both were unfit to play and that they were day-to-day. What do you think? A, a maintenance day for these guys? Do you anticipate that they'll be back out on the ice tonight? Well, I cannot imagine that you're just taking a maintenance day with Vladimir Tarasenko, to be honest with you. Um, but the challenge is, is because we can't go to these practices and see him skate because we can't you know, get into that locker room and ask some other questions to get around coach speak uh and, and by the way i don't that's not knocking craig baruby at all that the national hockey league has said any injuries when a guy doesn't play we're not even saying he's a healthy scratch anymore it's just unfit to play which i at least think we say whether the guy is is unfit to play or a healthy scratch um but they're not even doing that so um that, that one that's an interesting one i i think I think they've got some options playing the second game of a back-to-back. Um, I, I'm not anticipating. We'll talk to Craig Berube a little later on this morning. I'm not – I mean, if, if, if what the NHL told us or what we heard from the NHL that four days back, this would not quite be uh, – unless they count Friday and you count the first part of today, it'll be interesting to see if Barbashev is available and what lineup changes that make. But I, I have no way, unfortunately, Michelle, of being able to – to even anticipate what's going on because uh, of not having been able to see those guys play. So um, I definitely think they both had to be nicked up not to be in there. We'll just have to wait and see if it was enough to keep them out for two days in a row. And I wish I could give you better information than that, but that is probably one of the biggest challenges of not being around the hockey team to actually go to skates and watch them skate, watch what they're working on. Like if you go out there and you see Vladimir Tarasenko skating around, but you're, you're, you're watching his shot, and he's just not putting anything behind it, then you could realize something's wrong. We don't have the ability with the eyes right now to do that. Curbs, one last thing, and it's become abundantly clear over the course of the last two seasons. The Blues are just a better playoff road team. <laughs> <laughs> i got to be honest with you. I wasn't saying that for the previous five games. <laughs> no, that's right. But this this is legitimate road. Now, why Vancouver, when they're the road team, like they uh, have been, why they get the better dressing room, I don't know. But it's just part of the deal. So we got to deal yeah, with it. You know, now, I will say, and, and this one is, this one's interesting. The, the Blues record when, when they're the home team is 1-3, and then three, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 1-0-1. Oh, this is only the second time they've been the quote-unquote road team. I, I do think what is interesting about that is you're worried a little bit less about matchups because you can't control some of them. And we saw the Blues put their fourth line out there for an offensive zone faceoff last night. And, um, and, and, and they're, they're Green, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, goes ahead and puts Pedersen out there. Well, Pedersen wins a draw, and then they end up down the ice playing against your fourth line. But And, and he's able to get Pedersen away from Ryan O'Reilly a little bit. But uh, for some reason, when, when other coaches have that, the Blues have enough depth to be able to put two lines against a certain line and be effective with it. And I think they seem to play better, not even worried about it. Yeah, and we should note that they won't have Barbashev tonight, but Ivan Barbashev will be back. And he's he's an underrated, underappreciated member of this team on that fourth line. Oh, listen, you, 
that's why you had to get this thing to a game five to try and get him back in there to give yourself an even better chance. Uh, whether it was him or Sunquist, when one of these two guys is out of the lineup, this lineup looks discombobulated at times. He's physical. He can play. He can shoot. He can score. Um, that's critical. And, man, if you can get another win tonight, you know, Markstrom was 1-2 and two in playing in, in back-to-back scenarios in this regular season with a save percentage of 90%. If, if you can get this series evened up and then you get Barbashev back in what becomes a best of three, I like that for the St. Louis Blues. Take your chances. Curb, it's great to hear your voice. Keep up the great work. You guys are doing awesome. Uh, not even under the circumstances. It sounds like you guys are at the rink. So uh, congratulations on that. You and Joey are terrific, and we'll be tuned in tonight. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great start to the week. We'll talk to you guys real soon. All right, you bet, sir. That is the voice of the Blues. Chris Kerber with us on 101 ESPN. Tonight, 8.30 pregame, 9.30 faceoff. And uh, we'll have it for you here on your home of the Blues.